bringing relevant and engaging insights to human resource and talent development professionals. This is Talent Champions with Diana Thomas, sponsored by Franklin Covey. Here is your host, Diana Thomas. Welcome to another episode of Talent Champions. I'm Diana Thomas, and I'm honored to serve as your host. Today, we have such a special guest, Martha Soren. Martha's been the Chief Talent Development Officer and Senior Vice President at Comcast for the last 15 years of her 20-year career there. She began her career with the U.S. Army, where she validated instructional programs for our soldiers. She has a PhD in Educational Leadership and Policy Studies and a Cognate in Organizational Behavior. She serves as a guest speaker for the Doctorate of Learning program at the Wharton School, as well as several boards for industry groups in learning and in cable. Welcome, Martha. Thank you, Diana. It's such a pleasure to be here with you today. I'm super, super excited to have you as a guest. When I was uh, leading McDonald's Learning and you were at Comcast, you were just such a gracious colleague in regards to sharing your resources and being a great thought partner for me and my team. So a big thank you. And I know our audience is going to benefit from your expertise and you're just caring and sharing nature. Thank you for that, Diana. It was absolutely a pleasure of mine to serve as a peer uh, with you when you were at McDonald's. I loved sharing our stories of how to progress learning and how to help others with their careers. And, and I love the time too that we just spent on building relationships and uh, just helping to prepare others for the future. Yeah. I think that's one of the wonderful things about the industry that we both uh, have been in is just the ability for so many terrific people to be resources for each other and to make the time to help each other. Today's topic is mapping and pursuing career dreams. And Martha is going to share some lessons learned from managing a high profile career while also being a continuous learner and mentor for others. So before we get into today's topic, I'd love, Martha, if you could share a little bit about your background and what brought you to the place that you're in today, because it's a little different than most. Diana, it is a little bit different than most, and some of it is because of my beginnings, which uh, started on a farm in North Carolina. I was raised on a farm throughout my younger days, and I think that's very important to the messages I have today for the audience, because growing up on a farm in a Southern Baptist uh, family, it taught me early on the great value of working really hard and and doing a great job at the things that uh, we do. And that served me tremendously well in climbing my way to the Chief Talent Development Officer of Comcast. When you reflect on how I started my professional career, I started it with Department of Army. I spent 25 years there, and uh, my intent was to spend 25 years and then retire and, and then pursue a job in corporate America, which did work out really well for me. But it, it's important to recognize when I was working for Department of Army, that's where I really got my entrance into uh, the field and the study of learning and development. And it started early on 
in my career when I had a, a role where I validated the programs of instructions for our soldiers in the Army service schools and in some of the uh, DOD schools. And what that means is I would go into uh, the classroom after reading the instruction that the soldiers would go through just to ensure that they had a safe learning environment and that they had the, the right type of instruction, especially when they had practical exercises for things like changing a radiator on a Humvee or firing an Abrams tank or administering a DOD polygraph test. And so that was really my opening into uh, learning in the world of business. Now, early on, I always wanted to be a teacher and um, I, I didn't earn the right to be a teacher until I earned my master's degree. And uh, I did eventually become a teacher and we'll touch on that a little bit later. But the 25 years was really awesome for me. At year 20 of those 25 years, this is an important message for those listening today. And that is at around year 20, um, I wanted to do something different. I had uh, worked for the army for 20 years. I had not had a leadership role except leadership of teams and that kind of thing. I was wrapping up my master's degree and I thought, well, somehow I've got to get this leadership experience under my belt. And so I left Department of Army and I went to a not-for-profit organization that provided services and care to at-risk kids and families. And I will say to you, that was one of the best learning experiences of my life. I, I served as the leader of HR quality and training for the organization. And um, one of the things that benefited me most, most was applying my business acumen and knowledge and experience in a world of social workers and psychologists, people who were trained to help people get better. I wasn't trained to do that, but I could certainly help them with the learning that they needed to do their jobs and to help them uh, progress the organization. So then at the end of the two years, I went back and finished up my 25 years uh, with the Army. And I, I think a key point to take away there is, you know, if you want something different, you have to go do something different. And so I took that calculated risk and it paid off for me immensely. And I have told people on many a Comcast day that you're benefiting from my two-year experience in a not-for-profit, which is a very tough world uh, compared to some of the days that we have in the corporate setting. And so with that, I had a goal of becoming a chief learning officer. And so I knew that I had to do a little more work to become a leader of a learning institute in business. And so I, at year 23 with Department of Army, I started working on my PhD in education, which I felt like I really needed that. And in reflection, it paid off in a really big way. Does everybody have to have one? Probably not, but because of the path I had picked uh, through Army, I, I just felt like it would serve me well. And then at year 24, about 24 and a half, I started pursuing a job in the corporate world as a learning leader. And that's how I ended up in Comcast. When I joined Comcast, I started as the director of leadership development in one of its six geographical divisions. And I think that's an important point for all of us sometimes to just make that leap into a, a different industry. In this case, some people might think a different world <laughs> uh, to some degree. You just have to figure out how do I get my entry 
and then how do I progress once I get get there? So within a, about a four year period, I progressed from director to senior director to vice president, and then uh, at the end of the four years, I was offered the chief learning officer role at headquarters. And to kind of just you know wrap all of that up while I was doing this and, and building this experience and and working on my education. Over those uh, 25 years, I earned three degrees at night while working full time and raising three kids. And I will say to you, it wasn't easy. I, I know that sometimes it was hard on the kids, especially uh, my younger son. But we talked a lot about it. And, I'll, and I still have a letter that he wrote me when he went off to college just telling me how watching me go through what I went through had influenced his thinking and his life and how much it really meant to me. And so I, I think that it was one of the ways of feeling that what I did was kind of validated, mm -hmm. but I did worry a lot about it when I was doing it. But the whole point of this whole long story about how I got into this is really important. It's about defining what it is you want to do and laying out a plan to get there and then figuring out how to work through the pros and the cons of bringing it to fruition. Thank you for sharing that. I didn't know about the two years in the nonprofit. You know, you definitely have a servant leadership approach. And, and I can see now more of not only your background and bringing you know, your and your values, but having a chance to do that. Uh, what a phenomenal experience. It was phenomenal. And I went on to serve on the board of directors for several years after I left there. And uh, that too, helped me grow in my experience and helped me with the business world that I was in. Yeah, wonderful. So what do you love the most about the field of talent development? I just really, really love helping people follow their career aspirations. And I say follow their career aspirations because I think it's really important that each of us brings definition to what it is that we want to do. I, I, I don't think that we should let people sit in our driver's seat. I, I think we want people around us to help us, but I, I just love helping people get there. It doesn't mean it's always easy and we don't help people define because I've spent a lot of time doing that just because some people come in and, and say, I, I need you to mentor me. I'm not really sure what I want to do next. Or I'm not sure what I want to do with my career. And it's easy to help them start their research with just probing questions that we can ask without ever telling them what they need to do. And, and so I enjoy having those probing discussions and then having the person come back a few weeks later, a few months later and saying, hey, here's what I did with what we talked about. Uh, what's your reaction to this? And so I, I love helping people get into that space because I think that is much harder uh, to kind of work our way through, especially when we're younger in our careers. And I think another part of that, Diana, is I love it when when someone comes to me, especially someone younger and older folks too, but generally it's the younger folks who say, I really need to get back in school or, you know, I started my bachelor's and I've never finished it, but I think it's important to my career that I do that. I'm just not sure how to go about it. And then there again, just you know, using probing questions and helping people self-assess and self-define 
what it is that they want to pursue from an academic perspective. That's all part of that same picture of helping people to uh, define and follow their aspirations. And, and so I love that. It, it goes back to the points being define what you want to do, not what you want to be, but what it is that you want to do and just figure out how you stay in that driver's seat because people can give you guidance or guide you and take you totally off your path. And I'll share just a, a quick story I had when I was uh, working to make my transition to Comcast, I, I had a boss who didn't feel like it was the right thing for me because I had had this really great career with the Department of Army. And why would I ever want to leave that? It's one of the most secure jobs you could possibly have, which is a true story. <laughs> um, but I said, no, this is about me staying in the driver's seat of my career and following my career aspirations. And, and we had several discussions right up to, you know, the point where I went in and I said, I have a job offer at Comcast and and I'm really serious about taking this and he said no you want to stay here I'm going to give you a promotion we're going to do x y and z and this is the right place for you but you know what Diana I stuck to to my guns and and I moved on and it was the best thing in all the world but there's a point to that story people can take over uh, the driver's seat if we let them and had I done that I would never ever have gotten the job satisfaction that I did at Comcast. Comcast is an absolutely phenomenal company. They gave me the best job in the place, bar none. <laughs> and um, it, had I not you know, followed what it was that I wanted to do, I would have taken the wrong path. A very important point for those listening uh, today. Yeah, I think that is terrific advice as far as staying in the driver's seat. And I know from working in a large corporation and mentoring and coaching, so many uh, up and coming leaders, and now as an executive coach, you know, having the honor to be able to work with a variety of leaders, it 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 still amazes me that some people just don't know that first question is, what do you want to do? And sometimes that takes a little time, but you got to create the space and, and do some things to, like you said, research and discover what else is out there because gone are the days that we can trust our leaders to make the right decisions. And I think you bring up a great example. And I know as a leader, I was tainted at times because I wanted people to stay in position, especially your high performers. But at the end of the day, everybody needs to do what gets them excited and jazzed up and, and what their, their dream is. So I love your advices. Don't give that driver's seat to anyone else. You know, use your resources, but find out what you want to do and then lay out that plan. And like you did, work the plan. Absolutely. You know, you started to talk a little bit about leaving the military moving into this leadership role of Comcast. Maybe share with our audience, was there one defining point? Were there things that helped you decide that it was corporate America? I know you're, you are a thorough detail person as well. Did you do research? How did you know that Comcast was the right fit for your next chapter? I am such a planner. And as you mentioned, I'm very detailed. I get a lot of pleasure by checking off a step that I've completed in my, you know, career aspirations or in the research I'm doing, whatever. I just love the feeling of getting there and, and accomplishing things. With that said, 
I have always laid out my career goals. And so by year 20, I had a, that long-term goal of becoming that chief learning officer. But it was a lot about laying out the steps and that plan to get there. And there were a couple of things that I did and, and that I continue to do and that I continue to coach others to do. And that is to recognize that almost always you have two professional paths that you have to maneuver at one time. And I say you have to maneuver them because you spend a little more time on one than the other. Sometimes you spend about the same amount of time, but those paths on the journey are these. One is the experience path and the other is the education path. And don't lose sight of the fact that there is a family umbrella that you know is lifted above both of these because you have to care for that as well. But I'm talking about the professional paths. And so with that, when I think about the experience path, I was always looking ahead to what is it that I need to do from an experience perspective or an exposure perspective to really prepare myself to be that, in this case, the chief learning officer. And I, I looked at things like, well, probably if I became an adjunct professor and I taught on some evenings or on the weekend, that would contribute immensely to my experience and help me uh, when I reach out for that uh, chief learning officer role at the end of uh, 25 years with the Army. And so I did. I, I, I took the, a job teaching at Lawrence Technological University. I taught for 13 years and loved it, but I stopped teaching when I took the CLO job at Comcast because it wasn't possible to do both of those any longer. Uh, but the point being, I, I sought out, and that's just one example, I sought out what it would uh, take to help me from an experience perspective. And then if you look at the exposure, I had interviews with CEOs. I talked with other chief learning officers. I talked to professors in academia. I talked to a couple of deans, not just about what it was I wanted to do, but what is it that you do? What made you successful? How are you maneuvering your career? Um, so experience coupled with exposure and just working that path is really critical while working your education path. And when I speak to the education path, I'm not talking about formal education in all cases. It was important to me. It's important to a lot of people. But there are other things that we can do. There's, you know, reading the latest research. There was a point in time where I could probably uh, quote to you almost any business article. <laughs> Can't do it today because the job didn't permit it. But I was always reading the latest research, the latest literature, the, the best books on learning. I I specialized in as an efficiency expert for several years with the Army, and I was always reading about how to do things smarter and better and how to improve processes and outputs and effectiveness, those kinds of things. And so the point being here, education comes in many different forms, and uh, it's just important that we look at all of those uh, aspects of education that will make us smarter and better and more prepared for what it is we want to do. So to kind of just bring that to closure there is don't overlook, you've got two paths that you have to work while caring for your family as well. Yeah. And I love the way you define that. And, you know, I've seen it on both sides. I've seen uh, students that have graduated and they have the education piece and they want to move into these high level roles. And it's 
not something that employers are looking to do. So I think having both of those paths, so not uh, being afraid to take a role that maybe was a little beneath where you thought you want to be at a certain time or aspire to be because you get great experience as I think we both would attest to as you're in some of the lower level positions before you move up and you're over those individuals, it really does give you a great insight. So I love that, you know, experience and then the education and and how you defined education doesn't have to just be the degree. It could be, you know, learning from other people, just reading more. There's so much information out there on the internet for professionals. You just have to make some time and find it. That's right. Well said. Well, Martha, so impressive how you talked about getting three different degrees while you were working, while you were raising the family. So I'd love to turn our discussion to that, you know, kind of career and life balance. So how did you achieve that balance with your career, advanced degrees and your personal life? That's probably the question I'm asked most frequently when I sit on career panels or I have career discussions with individuals, and I would say especially women, I think women kind of are sometimes a little more concerned about part of that space, but I would say to you that there's no such thing as work-life balance, and I don't think any of us should pursue that. I do believe, though, strongly that there is such a thing as work-life flexibility, and what that means is we just have to figure it out. I've had uh, some men and women uh, come to me and talk about the jobs they want to pursue, but they're afraid they can't pursue them because of some of the travel requirements or other things that would conflict with their family life or, or with their kids. And, and I bring this up because when seeking for work-life flexibility, we have to recognize, Diana, that sometimes there will be a job that may look like the best job in all the world, but it may not be the right time or the right place for us. So I always encourage people to really assess, will this work for you as you try to flex your, your personal and your professional life around those things that are important to you? I remember, and I'll tell a quick story, I went back to school to finish my bachelor's degree and and my son was very young and I was trying to make the best of it. And it was, it was a lot, but my husband was amazing, absolutely amazing. So we had this routine. I would come in from my job and I would start dinner and then uh, my husband would take over. He would finish dinner and he would help the kids with their homework. And then I would show up from school and then I would help do whatever hadn't been done. So we had this routine and on this one afternoon I I had, I was starting dinner and I was trying to rush and I had a test that night and I heard this little voice behind me and it was knock, knock, mom, is anybody home? And, and I just froze. I thought, oh my gosh, am I going to be able to do this? What's, what is wrong with me? Why didn't I hear that kid? He was talking to me, but I took from that. I, I went back to lessons on, you know, the positive influence from my dad and And I thought, you know what, I can make something positive out of this. I'm going to become the most active listener that anyone would ever 
want. And, and so much so I worked on it, Diana, and I, I kind of took it a little too far because I'm, and you know this, I'm perceived to be an intense listener today, <laughs> but it started from me trying to make the best out of what could have been a bad experience that could have caused me to walk away. But I, I didn't. I looked at how can I flex? How can I become a better person? And how can I make all of this work? Because I had a lot of moving parts. And so that's kind of followed me along through my career journey. I will say to you that I um, am really adamant about scheduling the things that are important to me and scheduling them on my single outlook calendar so that they are intertwined with whatever the work appointments are. And I'll give you some examples. And you know how our schedules are, Diana, they're booked from mm -hmm. 7am to 7 at night. And so, you know, for uh, 36 years, I've had a Friday night dinner date almost always with my husband, but I build it on my calendar. I put my spa appointments on there so that I make sure I take care of that part of me or, or my doctor's appointments. And one of the stories I love the most is I have a 12-year-old granddaughter. Her name is Clara. And I was there when she came into this world and I watched her come into this world. And I, I said right then and there, you know, this child isn't going to grow up without me. I'm living in Philly. She's living in North Carolina. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to visit her a weekend out of every month. I'm going to get on a plane. I'm going to go to North Carolina and I'm going to spend a weekend with her because I want to love her and I want her to love me. And Diana, I missed two months out of 12 years of getting on a plane and going and visiting. And, and it's important because you have your professional life, you have your, your family life, you have your social commitments, you have your medical care. And my advice is to always just flex, but you have to plan and prepare. When you go to your medical appointment, you book your next one, even if it's a year out, you do what you got to do to ensure that you're taking care of all of the aspects of your life that are important. It's not fluff. It's really, really good advice. No, that's, that's wonderful. And I tend to say work-life integration. And I, I think we're kind yeah. of saying the same thing because it is impossible to create this balance where it's 50-50 on some days. Some days you need it more in one area than the other. And I love what you shared as far as your advice is really scheduling those important things and then making them happen. When I grew up, it was, you know, if you came to work and you were a working professional, you didn't talk or do anything about your personal life. You know, you didn't take personal calls. You didn't put anything on your calendar. And I struggled. And ended up not being healthy and not having great relationships and went through this kind of, I've got to figure it out. So early on in my career, I'm so blessed I had that experience because I did figure it out. And, and so when I coach women today, it is really understanding what's important for you and making time for what's important. And that includes your career. Uh, but I like your advice too, is don't opt out. You know, when you talked about early on, people say, no, that's not for me, is at least explore and see if there's other alternatives with working remotely and just some of the uh, less pressures to be in a job, you know, from this time to this time physically. I love that there's more flexibility. And totally agree with you. There was a point in time when you nor I would ever have been permitted to work remotely. Nope. nope. 
and, and the pressure that we put on ourselves to make sure that we were there early and, you know, yep. to make sure that, you know, we weren't one of the first ones leaving or, you know, saying there was something going on with the family. So I love how much the world has evolved and the assertiveness of people to talk about their families and to integrate that in, you know, to what they do. And then I just have to say ditto on the amazing spouses. You've got to have a partner that truly is a partner because uh, you can't do it without that. Agree. Great. So we mentioned at the beginning, and you've uh, given some great examples about how you continually give back and you love to help other people. So what motivates you to pour so much of your valuable time into mentoring others and giving back to the industry? You know, there have been points in time where I've had as many as 150 to 200 mentees um, at a time. And of course, you don't meet with them uh, every week. You just work with them you know, based on what their needs are and so forth. And I do it and did it because I love it. And I think that it ties very closely to what you and I do for a living. And that is we live in the learning space and learning is about helping others to um, improve their careers, improve their lifestyles, in so many cases, improve their family life. And I think by all that we're doing uh, from a giving perspective and a development perspective, that in many ways is making the world a better place. Because I do believe that every person that you and I and others touch from a mentoring perspective or a coaching perspective, that we're creating an opportunity for someone not only to better self, but to pay it forward and help others. And one of the things that is most rewarding and as a result of all of this, and I say most rewarding because it shows that people are listening and they're doing, is when you get the success stories. In the last five days, I had a young lady share with me, I did it. I earned my master's degree. And it's an opportunity to say, wow, I am so proud of you. Share the thinking around that. And, you know, what are you going to do with it? How are you going to use it for what's next? And then yesterday, I got a, an email note from this young man that I mentored. And he was sharing with me, I have to tell you, after we last met, I went and I got a, a gig or a special project. And it was in sales. And here's what it's doing for me. And I'm so excited. And I'm, I'm able to say, I'm so proud of you. You did it. This is great. And here's, you know, some thinking around that. I, I think that that's the piece that is a little more in it for us when you know you really help change someone's life. It's not about, you know, a check mark that, you know, you and I did it. It's a check mark that they did it. They, they accomplished what it was they set out to do. And we were just there as, you know, someone to guide or to help. And it's extremely rewarding to hear those stories. Yeah, so beautifully said. And I can just tell in your voice and knowing you is it jazzes you up and it gives you fuel to want to do even more is when you get that. Uh, connection and know that you've helped and, and made somebody's life a little bit better, given them a perspective that they've used. So thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. So um, I love asking my guests this question is, is there one person that you would say that has had the greatest impact on your professional life, and you wouldn't be where you are today without that person's influence? 
I love that question, Diana, because there's an absolute answer to that question. My dad had the greatest influence on my uh, professional life. And um, it started with just working side by side, but with him on the farm and, and doing the more difficult jobs because I wanted to be challenged and he wanted to challenge me. One of the things that he always ensured, though, was that he gave me the positive feedback. Um, and it was almost always positive. Or if I needed to redirect, he would share with me and show me, which I think is a good learning point. When we show people how to do something differently or do it better, then they're more likely to repeat that particular behavior. And so dad taught me early on about relationships about working hard, about always doing a good job, putting my best foot forward and ensuring that I was a positive reflection, not just for self, but for others. It was just that can-do attitude. I remember sitting on the steps of the, the farmhouse porch when I was about 11 years old and we were having one of our conversations and, and he goes, so what is it that you want to do when you grow up? And I said, I want to be a teacher someday. And he said, well, you know, I know you'll be a teacher someday because I'm confident that you can do anything you want to do. And I, I did go on and I became a teacher, which a lot of this is about that story. And, and I also said to him that day, I said, you know, dad, I'd love to have this farm someday too, but there were eight kids. And he said, well, you know, I, there's no way I can give you the farm, but I would, if I could, because I was dad's favorite. I was absolutely positive. I was not. <laughs> we all say that about our parents. I know, I know it wasn't my mom's favorite, but I know who was. Um, but anyway, uh, so with that story, he also, he, he taught me these three things, which I often use in um, some of my learning materials. And that is, if we want to have a great career, you do three things. You always do what's right. If you have to question it, it's probably not right. But always do what's right. Uh, get the job done and be good to people. And then, Diana, for the audience, I'll just share a quick, quick ending to that story with my dad. And that is, my dad died. My mom sold the farm. Three different people had parts of the farm. And then um, years later, I thought, you know what, I'm going to get that farm back. So I picked up the phone. I called those three people. I asked them if they would sell me their parts of the farm. And so I own dad's farm today. So I know he's doing a happy dance in heaven Aww. somewhere. I know, but but it goes back to the point, define your goals, define what it is you want to do and take the calculated risk. You're not always going to get it, but work on getting what it is that, that you want that will make you whole, that will make you that person you want to be and have that career that uh, you aspire to do. Just fabulous, fabulous advice. And for all of our audience that's trying to capture everything that Martha said, we'll make sure in our notes that you get that information. You've bought the farm. What's next for you? Wow, that's a really great question. I will say to all of you that I've reduced my work hours quite a bit for Comcast because Comcast is so awesome. So I'm transitioning into retirement. I will retire on the 31st of July. And I intend to stay fresh and alive in the world of learning and the world of business. And the way I intend to do that is by 
uh, serving on industry boards. I'll continue to serve on some of cable and telecommunications uh, boards for a couple of years for Comcast. I'll do other board work. I'll continue to serve in the world of academia um, in different ways. And then I will serve as an executive advisor in learning or business. And then I will also serve as an executive coach. I do not intend to ever work full time again. I want to do those things that will just help progress people and progress business and in the long term help progress the world. We're all in this together, but I'm really, really excited about where I am uh, in my professional life. And I look forward to just continuing work, but just in a different angle. It's that next path that I've defined for self. And I have these little lists of tasks that I'm getting done so that I can make it happen. Wow. No surprise there. You've already mapped it out. And it sounds very exciting and rewarding. So do you have any final piece of advice for our talent champions? You've given them so much already. Well, just a couple, and I'll recap to some degree, and that is you want your career to happen by you, and you do that by staying in the driver's seat. But a couple of pointers that I haven't mentioned that will help you are these. I encourage each and every one of you to be bold and courageous. You can't sit back and wait for things to happen for you or to you. Be bold, be courageous, ask the questions. Know when you can take a calculated risk or or know when you can think of the possible. And I'll share a really quick story on you know thinking of the possible. I told you I wanted to be a teacher. I didn't earn the right to be a teacher until I got my MBA. And so I went to Lawrence Tech and I met with the dean and I told him how strongly I wanted to be a teacher. And I was getting my diploma and earning my degree that next week. And I really, really wanted to do this. And we had the best conversation. It lasted about an hour and a half. And I thought, wow, I've got this. And then he said, I can't give you the job. I said, you're kidding me. Why can't you give me the job to teach as an adjunct? And he said, you just don't have the experience. So I thought of the possible. I said, you know, Dean Sheehy, let me teach for free for a semester. And if the students don't like me and you don't like me, I go away. If the students like me and you like me, I stay and you pay me. I left there with a paying job. (laughs) The point of the story is you have to think out of the box and you have to figure out what am I going to do so I can get that experience I need to move my career along. And then to the final word of advice is don't underestimate the value of volunteer work. Volunteer work is while it's unpaid, those organizations you work for will let you do higher level tasks than your boss will ever let you do in most cases. I was managing a budget in a not-for-profit volunteer role before I ever was given a budget in the business world. And so just think about the possible and what you can do to just build your story and and make yourself uh, more desirable and more promotable and so that you have just a really, really great career. Mm-hmm. Awesome advice. So how can our listeners get in touch with you or continue to learn more from you? Thank you for asking that, uh, Diana, because I welcome uh, your listeners to, to reach out to me. Uh, I am still on my Comcast email for a while, but maybe the best email address is ilmsoren at twc.com. And I know Diana will uh, post that for you. And I do use LinkedIn a lot 
but the traffic on LinkedIn is so heavy, it's hard to get the specialized response that you want. So the TWC uh, address would be better. And I look forward to hearing from uh, some of you on what's going on with your careers and, and offer advice where you need it. Thank you so much. This has been just a pleasure to have you as a guest, and I know our audience will benefit from your expertise and just love your passion and enthusiasm about learning and being the best that we can be, and just some really practical advice. So thank you so much for making the time to be with us today, Martha. Thank you, Diana. Thank you for your friendship and for being a wonderful colleague all of these years. And I look forward to continuing our relationship and hope your listeners will benefit from our discussion today. Thank you so much. Here are the key takeaways from today's episode. Martha is an incredible case study in mapping out specific career goals and doing what she needed to do to pursue those goals. She reminds us that if you want to change in your life, you have to start doing things differently. Sometimes it requires a calculated risk to get the experience you need to take the next step. When considering your next career move, tap your resources, rely on your mentors, but ultimately keep yourself in the driver's seat. Don't let other people make those big decisions for you. You always have two professional paths to maneuver simultaneously. And your family is the umbrella overarching those two paths. The first has to do with gaining experience and exposure. Gain the experiences you need for the role you aspire to. And make a point to talk to those that have gone before you so that you can learn from them. The second path is education. Both formal pursuits of degrees and continuously learning by reading everything in your field. Martha's perspective is there's no such thing as work-life balance, but there is such a thing as work-life flexibility. You have to figure out how to make those pieces of your life work together. Don't opt out of opportunities. Look for creative solutions to make them possible. Remote working is a huge resource for making it happen. Schedule personal appointments on your work calendar and fit the work engagements around them. Martha talked about having a standing Friday night date with her husband. The same goes for medical appointments and other personal care. Don't let these personal needs be overridden by your work appointments. Martha's dad gave her three pieces of advice to help her build a great career. One, always do what's right. If you have to question it, it's probably not right. Two, get the job done. And three, be good to people. Be bold and courageous in pursuing your career goals. You can't wait for things to happen to you. You have to make the changes yourself. Think out of the box in order to make things work. Don't underestimate the value of volunteer work. In volunteer positions, you frequently have opportunities to take on higher level tasks than what you would encounter at your day job. These kinds of experiences are immensely valuable to your career. Reflecting on Martha's incredible career gives us so much to learn from, and I hope you feel inspired to take big steps towards your career dreams. Join us again in two weeks when we'll be discussing a very timely topic, how where people work affects how we do our work. In the meantime, 
You can help us reach more talent champions by rating the podcast in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, don't forget to visit our website, talent-champions.com, to download free bonus content from our guests. Stay well and stay safe. Thanks for listening to Talent Champions with Diana Thomas. For more information about today's show, please visit talent-champions.com.